And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West in the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's December the 5th, 339th day of the year. 26 days remain to the year's over with. Holidays and observances. Krampusnacht. It embraces a darker Yuletide tradition with chilling festivals when a fearsome figure roams the streets. It evokes both shivers and revelry. World Soil Day. Bathtub Party Day. Sasha Torte Day. Uh, International Ninja Day. National Repeal Day. And of course, Blue Christmas which celebrates the first responders. It's Gifts of Sight Month. Operation Santa Paws. Worldwide Food Service Safety Day. A month, rather. National Rider uh, Business Plan Month. National Time Month. National Pear Month. We just finished uh, giving out um, a box of uh, Camise Pears to all the doctors we have to deal with. Universal Human Rights Month. And with that having been said, 63 BC, Cicero gives the fourth and final of the Canaline orations. For those who are not familiar with them, they're set as speeches to the Roman Senate given in 63 BC by Marcus Tullius Cicero, one of the that year's consuls, accusing a senator. Lucius Sergius Catalina of uh, leading a plot to overthrow the Roman Senate. Now, most account of these events are, come from Cicero himself. Some uh, modern historians and ancient sources, such as uh, Sobus, suggest that Catalina was a more complex character than Cicero's writings declare. And Cicero, of course, was influenced by a desire to establish a lasting reputation as a great Roman patriot and statesman. But, um, For 633 A.D., the 4th Council of Toledo opens up, presided over by Isidore of Seville. The uh, is convened by Visigothic King Sassanon, took place at the Church of St. Lucardo in Toledo, um, under the presidency of Isidore of Seville. The council regulated many matters of discipline, uh, decreed uniformity of liturgy throughout the Visigothic kingdom, and took stringent methods against baptized Jews who had relapsed their former faith. 1033, Jordan Rift Valley earthquake destroys multiple cities across the Levant, triggers a tsunami that kills many more. 1062, Raymond Berenguer II, Count of Barcelona, is assassinated, most likely by his brother, Berenguer Ramon II. 1408, seeking to resubjugate Muscovy, Amir Edegu of the Golden Horde reaches Moscow, burning areas around the city, but couldn't take the city itself. 1456, first of two earthquakes measures uh, 7.2, strikes Italy, causing extreme destruction and killing about 70,000 people. 
1484, Pope Innocent VIII issues the Summus Deserantes Effectibus, a papal bull that deputizes a Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer as inquisitors to root out witchcraft in Germany. If you, uh, just like with uh, the state of Georgia, accusation equals guilt. 1496, King Manuel I of Portugal issues a decree ordering the expulsion of Jews from the country. And this day in 1560, 13-year-old Charles IX becomes King of France with uh, Queen Mother Catherine de' Medici as regent. 1578, Sir Francis Drake, after sailing through the Straits of Magellan, raids uh, Valparaiso. 1649, the town of Rahi is founded by Count Perbra de Runger. 1757, Seven Years' War, Battle of Luthen. Frederick II of Prussia leads Prussian forces to a decisive victory over the Austrian forces of the Prince Charles Alexander of the Reign. 1766, in London, auctioneer James Christie holds his first sale. 1770, 29th Regiment of Foot Private uh, Hugh Montgomery and Matthew Kilroy found guilty for the manslaughter of Crispus Atticus and Samuel Gray in the Boston Massacre. 1775, Fort Ticonderoga, Henry Knox begins his historic transport of artillery to Cambridge, Massachusetts. 1776, Phi Beta Kappa, the oldest academic honor society in the U.S., holds its first meeting at the College of William and Mary. 1831, former U.S. President John Quincy Adams takes his seat in the House of Representatives. 1847, Jefferson Davis is elected to the U.S. Senate. 1848, California Gold Rush, and a message to the U.S. Congress, President James K. Polk confirms that Large amounts of gold have been discovered in California. 1865, Chincha Islands War, Peru allies with Chile against Spain. 1895, New Haven Symphony Orchestra, Connecticut, performs its first concert on this date. 1914, the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition began an attempt to make the first landing, first land crossing of Antarctica. 1919, Ukrainian War of Independence, the Polanski Conspiracy suppressed and participants executed by the Kontravedka. 1921, Football Association bans women football in England from league grounds. That ban stayed in place for 50 years. 1933, 21st Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is ratified. Um... It mandated nationwide prohibition on alcohol. I'm sorry, it repealed the mandated nationwide prohibition on alcohol, which was put into effect with the 18th Amendment. It was uh, unique among the 27 amendments to the Constitution of being the only one to repeal the prior amendment. And uh, it was the only amendment to have been ratified by state ratifying conventions. People wanted their beer. 1934, Abyssinia crisis. Italian troops attacked Wawa on Abyssinia, taking four days to capture the city. 1935, wait a minute. Um, 
The Abyssinia crisis, also known in Italy as the Wall Incident, uh, was an international crisis in 1935 that originated in a dispute over the town of Wall that's then turned into a battle between fascist rule kingdom of Italy and the Ethiopian Empire, which was at that point in time normally called Abyssinia. The League of Nations ruled against Italy and voted for economic sanctions, but never applied them. Italy, of course, ignored the sanctions, quit the League, made special deals with the uh, U.K. and France, and ultimately annexed and occupied Abyssinia after it won the Second Italo-Ethiopian War. The, uh, the crisis is generally viewed as one of the greatest uh, reasons that the League of Nations was discredited. Nobody paid any attention to it. 1935, Mary McLeod Bethune founds the National Council of Negro Women in New York City. 1936, Soviet Union adopts a new constitution, and the Kyrgyz Soviet Socialist Republic is established as a full Union Republic of the USSR. 1941, World War II and the Battle of Moscow, Gregory Zhukov launches a massive Soviet counterattack against the German army. Also in 41, Great Britain declares war on Finland, Hungary, and Romania. On this date, 1943, World War II, Allied Air Forces began attacking Germany's secret weapons bases in Operation Crossbow. 1945, Flight 19, a group of TBF Avengers uh, took off for a training mission from Fort Lauderdale and vanished in the Bermuda Triangle. They've never been determined what happened. 1952, beginning of the Great Smog in London. Coal fog combined with air pollution brings the city to a standstill for four days. And the Ministry of Health later reported 4,000 fatalities as a result of this Great Smog. 1955, the American Federation of Labor and the Congress of Industrial Organizations merged and formed the AFL-CIO. 1955, E.D. Nixon and Rosa Parks lead the Montgomery bus boycott. Now, there are those that claim her act of defiance uh, by refusing to give up her seat on the bus was actually staged in order to bring this case to national prominence. But it went on to... Um, she became an NAACP activist in '43, participated in several high-profile civil rights campaigns. And uh, December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama... Now, she is a known civil rights activist, but when she's ordered to give up her uh, vacate a row of four seats in the colored section in favor of a white passenger, once the white section was filled, she wasn't the first person to resist bus segregation. But the NAACP believed she was the best candidate for seeing through a court challenge after her arrest for civil disobedience. She violated Alabama segregation laws. And, of course, she helped inspire the black community to boycott the Montgomery buses for over a year. Well, 
the uh, I saw a lot of things that I thought were uh, wrong, but when I tried to defend a black family from being uh, robbed by the courts, I was called a traitor to my race. I was told that a lot of attorney fortunes have been made taking property from blacks. And I just needed to get out of the way. 1958, subscriber Trent Dialing is inaugurated in the UK by Queen Elizabeth II when she speaks to the Lord Provost on a call from Bristol to Edinburgh. 1958, the Preston Bypass, the UK's first stretch motorway, opens to traffic for the first time. It's now part of the M6 and M55 motorways. 1964, Vietnam War. There's heroes in battle earlier in 64. Uh, Captain Roger Donlan is awarded the first Medal of Honor of the war. Also in 1964, Lloyd O. discovers the first linkage between the major histocompatibility complex and disease, mouse leukemia, um, and the major histocompatibility complex, known as MHC. Um, his work led to the uh, recognition of the importance of NHC in the immune response. 1971, Battle of Ghazipur. Pakistani forces stand defeated as India cedes Ghazipur to Bangladesh. 1977, Egypt breaks diplomatic relations with Syria, Libya, Algeria, Iraq, and South Yemen. It moves in relation for the declaration of Tripoli against uh, Egypt. 1983, dissolution of the military junta in Argentina took place on this date. 1991, Leonid Kovchuk is elected the first president of Ukraine. And Ukraine is unhappy that instead of funneling everything we possibly can to them, we're also helping Israel. It's just not right, he said. 1955, Sri Lankan civil war. Sri Lanka's government uh, announces a conquest of the Tamil stronghold of J uh, Jaffna. Also in 1995, Azerbaijan Airlines Flight 56 crashes near Nakhchivan International Airport in Nakhchivan, Azerbaijan, killing 52 people. 2005, the Civil Partnership Act comes into effect in the UK, and the first civil partnership is registered there. The, um, for those that are not familiar with it, it was an act of Parliament of the UK introduced by the Labour government grants civil partnerships in the United Kingdom the rights and responsibilities similar to those enjoyed in civil marriages. Initially, the act permitted only same-sex couples to form civil partnerships, um, but this was altered to include opposite-sex couples in 2019. So you don't have to get married, you can form a civil partnership, get the same benefits. 2005, a 6.8 Lake Tanganyika earthquake shakes the eastern province of the Democratic Republic of the Congo with a maximum Mercalli intensity of 10, which is considered extreme. Six people were killed. Uh, 2006, Commodore Frank Benamarama overthrows the government of Fiji. 
2007 West Rhodes Mall shooting. 19-year-old Robert Hawkins kills nine people, including himself, with a WASR-10 at a Von Moore department store in Omaha, Nebraska. 2013, militants attack a defense ministry compound in Sanyana, Yemen, killing at least 56 people and injuring 200 others. 2014, Exploration Flight Test 1, the first flight test of Orion, is launched. And in 2017, the International Olympic Committee bans Russia from competing in the 2018 Winter Olympics for a doping scandal at the 2014th Winter Olympics. Well, <clears throat> internationally, the truce has ended in um, Gaza. Fighting is going on again. A uh, U.S. Navy ship was attacked by uh, the Houthis in the Red Sea. They didn't get too far. There was a terrorist attack in uh, Paris. Uh, according to reports, the attacker was screaming, Allahu Akbar as he uh, took a knife and tried to... I think he did kill one French teenager. The uh, well, the battle in the Middle East is going to not wind down anytime soon. The uh, We've got prominent celebrities here coming out in favor of Hamas, such as Susan Sarandon. The problem is they put their alligator mouth in operation before processing the data properly to see what it is they're talking about. Now, one of the things that I've had a number of uh, emails about I did a show a couple of years ago. Well, I said 100,000 people every year vanish in this country. Um, no rhyme, no reason, just gone. And I was assured that couldn't happen, and I was uh, challenged to give some examples. So I'm going to give some examples uh, today. This first one was um, Nicole Betterson. Now, she was two years old on Labor Day weekend in 1977, riding in a car with her parents, Jarrett Betterson and Susan Klingle. Father lost control of the car and swerved off the road. The car flipped over several times before it came to a stop. Nicole and her father were fine. Uh, Susan uh, Klingel was thrown out of the car and died almost instantly. Now, Nicole was only two, as I said, so she likely sensed things were different after that, but um, probably couldn't process everything that happened. Well, there was talk of charging her father with vehicular homicide, the death of the girl, but uh, because investigators did find marijuana inside the car, but... They couldn't prove he was under the influence at the time of the accident. So, like many cases, it never went anywhere. Jarek retained custody of his daughter and 
started dating a woman named Barbara Sadler. Shortly after Christmas in 1977, he and Barbara and Nicole left their hometown of Dearborn, Michigan to start over in a new place. Now, since the accident was Labor Day weekend of 1977, and he was close enough to this other woman to uh, start a new life with her in Christmas of 77, you know something was going on behind the scenes. Now, Susan's parents, Bill and Mary Klingle, were heartbroken when they found out that uh, Jared intended to take their granddaughter out of state. They had never particularly liked Jared and had been happy when their daughter started dating him. He was seven years older than she was, and it was a uh, mixed-race marriage, which a lot of folks, uh, even so-called liberals, have trouble with from time to time. They claimed that their daughter never used drugs before he started dating Jarrett, but he had uh, pressured her to to use them. Well, they last saw their granddaughter Christmas of 77 when Jarrett and Barbara brought her over for a visit. Barbara tried to ease their fears, assuring them that Nicole was in good hands, and she claimed she'd be a good mother to Nicole. They were still grieving the loss of their daughter. Now they were losing their uh, granddaughter as well. Well, when they left Michigan, Jarrett and Barbara weren't sure where they were going to move to. Told people they were planning to go to California, but others believed they were going to Las Vegas, Nevada. Left Michigan shortly after the holidays and never came back. Uh, seemingly intent on making a fresh start someplace else, Jarrett never contacted anybody from his own family or Susan's family ever again. Well, even though Bill and Mary were heartbroken, Losing their granddaughter, there wasn't much they could do. As they got older, they started to wonder how Nicola turned out. By 1997, she'd have been 22, an adult who was old enough to make her decisions about whether or not she wanted to let her grandparents into her life. She was their only living heir, and they wanted to reconnect with her. Well, unsure where to start in that search for their granddaughter, they hired a private detective named Peggy Beasy to see if she could locate Jared or Nicole. And she quickly determined that Jarrett and Barbara were living in Las Vegas, but couldn't find any trace of Nicole. Well, it appeared that Jarrett and Barbara made their way to Las Vegas shortly after they left Michigan in January of 1978. They got married there on August 28, 1982, and moved into a somewhat run-down apartment building. No record of Nicole ever living there with them. Private investigator combed through school records throughout Las Vegas, couldn't find anything to indicate Nicole would ever going to school there. Well, I wonder if Barbara and Jared had decided they didn't want to be parents. The private investigator checked through adoption records to see if Jared had relinquished custody of his daughter. No record of any adoption taking place. Unsure what had become of the little girl, the private detective turned the case over to the Las Vegas Police Department for investigation. <coughs> the case was assigned to Detective Jeff Rosgen. And he picked up where the private investigator left off, checked family court records and other public databases looking for any mention of Nicole. No record of her ever getting a job or a driver's license, nothing to suggest she ever made the move to Las Vegas with her family 20 years before. Well, Nicole had been entitled to Social Security benefits after the death of her mother, and checks had been mailed to Jarrett in Las Vegas every month until Nicole's 18th birthday in 1993. And each check was a 
immediately cashed by Jarrett, but there's no proof that the Cole had ever been living with him. But Rosga knew he'd need to interview Jarrett if he's going to have any hope of locating Nicole, but didn't quite know how to go about approaching him. He feared Jared to harm Nicole, worried that he might clam up and refuse to answer any questions. Well, after thinking about it for a while, the, the detective approached Jared as if he already knew what had happened to Nicole and wanted to see how he reacted. You know, when he knocked on the door, he discovered uh, Jared was using a motorized wheelchair to get around. And he immediately opened the door when the detective knocked. And the detective introduced himself and said, I know what happened to your daughter. It'd be easier on if you'd tell me the whole story. Well, Jared, of course, was stunned. Stumbling over his word, he told the detective he couldn't talk at the moment, but call him back at some point over the next week. Then he closed the door. Well, Detective Rosgen left, unsure whether or not Jarrett would be true to his word and call him to discuss the case. Four days later, Jarrett called the detective and told him he was willing to cooperate, but he needed a little more time before he could come in and speak with investigators. He said, give me a few weeks and I'll set up a meeting with Nicole. Well, three weeks went by and there was no word from Jarrett, so Detective Rosgen tried to call in and see what was taking place. Call went unanswered. Detective figured to give it a few more days and try to call again, never realized only too late. Jared had decided he wasn't ever going to be ready to talk about Nicole. At some point after he talked to the detective, he killed himself and his wife. There was no suicide note left in the apartment. Only a note taped to the refrigerator addressed to the landlord. said, forgive us for having to deal with the mess we left. In the days that followed, it became clear that Barbara and Jared had decided they preferred to die together rather than to deal with the demons from the past. Well, Jared's mother, Joni Betterson, hadn't heard from her son since he left Michigan 20 years before. So uh, she was surprised when she opened her mailbox and saw she had a letter from his wife, her daughter-in-law. By the time you get this, we'll be dead. Just about to go to jail, and I don't want to live without him. She said, I'm sorry about living apart from our family. I'm sorry about so many things. We had a sad and difficult life. Well, there was no mention of Nicole in the letter, no hint as to why she believed Jared was going to be sent to prison. But it was clear that there was something in the past that both Barbara and Jared had been hiding for years. In the letter, she said, we'd hoped our troubles never touch our family, so we kept to ourselves. We tried to follow God. Now it's about time for him to judge us. Forgive us for all the wounds we put in um, your hearts with our tragic and youthful blunders. Barbara also enclosed $900 with the note and asked it to be used to pay for the couple to be cremated. She asked their ashes to be placed in the same urn so they could remain together forever. Well, investigators went through everything in the couple's apartment and found nothing to suggest Nicole had ever been part of their lives. No pictures of her, no childhood mementos, no hint of her fate. Only Jarrett and Barbara knew what had happened to the little girl, and they took their secrets to the grave. When Barbara seemed to be convinced Jarrett was about to go to jail, she couldn't have known that Detective Rosgen was only bluffing and had no idea what actually happened to Nicole. Now he could only speculate about what Jarrett had done to her. And there was nothing to suggest the two-year-old was with the couple when they arrived in Vegas 20 years before. 
Might have been killed at some point during the trip. She might have been sold for money or she could have died in an accident. Investigators will be difficult to find out the truth after so many years. As of April 2023, Nicole is still listed as a missing person. Dr. Osgan took DNA samples from her grandparents to compare with unidentified dead bodies, but to date there have been no matches. It's possible Nicole's body was found decades ago. Prior to the advent of DNA technology, many bodies that were found were never identified and ended up buried in unmarked graves. And due to the circumstances surrounding her disappearance, foul play is certainly suspected, but there's a slim chance she's still alive and something aware of her true identity. Truth will probably never be known. Um, investigators, of course, believe she's likely killed her body dumped between Michigan and Nevada. But there's still the outside possibility. Uh, she was sold or given away. Well, we have another situation where there's absolutely no indication what happened to the little girl. And you'd be surprised how many cases just like that there are across the country. People can be unfeeling. And apparently they dispose of the little girl like they'd leave a dog on the side of the road. And that's not right either. Well, let's turn to Diamond and Teonda Bradley. Now, Tracy Bradley left her Chicago, Illinois apartment about 6 o'clock on a Friday morning, July 6, 2001, to go to work. She was a single mother, left her two young daughters, 3-year-old Diamond and 10-year-old Teonda, alone in the apartment and told to make sure there anybody in. And she expected him to be there waiting for her when she got home from work about 12.30 p.m. But when she got home, there was no sign of the girls, only a handwritten note propped on the back of the couch. Note indicated the sisters would be at the playground at Doolittle Elementary School or the Lake Matter Shopping Center across the street from the school. Now, Doolittle Elementary School was where Tianda had been enrolled in summer classes. It was just two blocks from the family's home in Lake Grove Village Apartment Complex. And Tianda had taken her sister to the playground there before, but she'd normally call her mother's cell phone to get permission before she did that, and she'd never left a note before. So naturally, Tracy was uneasy about the situation. Spent the next several hours searching the neighborhood for any sign of her two daughters, hoping somebody might have seen them. The uh, a neighbor named Fred Ramsey said that Tianda knocked on his door about 10 in the morning to see if his daughter could come out and play. But his daughter's still in the bed, so he sent Theonda away. Well, by 6 p.m. on that Friday, the two sisters were still missing. Fearing something had happened, Tracy called the Chicago Police Department and reported Diamond and Teonda missing. So dozens of officers immediately started scouring the south side neighborhood for any sign of the two girls. Found absolutely no clues. Search intensified on Saturday. Officers went door-to-door -door distributing missing person flyers and looking for anybody who might have seen the children after they left the apartment. Helicopters scanned the area from above while the Marine unit searched Lake Michigan. Chicago Police Lieutenant Robert Beeble told reporters that investigators had no idea what had happened to the girls. They hadn't found any evidence pointing to foul play. Anything could have happened. We were just hoping they were in a neighbor's house someplace. Well, by the Sunday, two days later, more than 100 officers as well as scores of volunteers were involved in the search. 
There had been no reported sightings of the sisters, and police were getting increasingly worried for their safety. Police spokesman Pat Camden told reporters this is, in police department terminology, two tender-age children, and it does raise concerns. Well, officers used police dogs to search through parked cars and along railroad tracks, and eventually the search was expanded to include nearby wooded areas and abandoned buildings. And several helicopters continued to search from the air. Marine units used sonar to search along the rake flight. Detectives interviewed each child's father as well as relatives and friends of the family. None of them had any idea where the sisters might be. Sheila Smith, the sister's great aunt, told reporters the family believed the foul play was involved in the girl's disappearance. There's no way they ran away, she said. They never went far from home. It was always very obedient. We feel positively sure they were taken. And Tiana knew her home phone number as well as her mother's cell phone number, and they believed she would have called Tracy if she was able. Well, as evening fell on that Sunday, the whereabouts of the children remained unknown. Chicago Police Youth Investigations uh, Commander Roberta Bartik admitted this is a long period of time for these children to be missing. We're concerned. We just want them back safe and sound. She made a public appeal for anybody with information to contact investigators. She also had a message for Tianda. She's afraid to come home because she stayed out with her sister. She, they wanted her to know that nothing will happen. They'll just be glad she came home. Uh, Commander Bardick told reporters detectives were concentrating on finding the missing sisters and weren't yet looking into the fact that mother left them unsupervised. Trace had been cooperative in their investigation, but eventually have to answer some tough questions about why she left them home alone. Well, Tracy had four children at the time that Diamond and Tiana went missing. Other two kids were staying with their grandmother, Mary Bradley, in a nearby housing project. And it was common for the four children to split their time between their mother's apartment and their grandmother's home. In fact, on occasion, Diamond and Tiana opted to stay at their mom's while their two sisters went to Mary's house. And neighbors told detectives Tianda was a familiar sight around the apartment complex, but she never strayed far from home. And she noted Tianda used the care to set a keys to her apartment as the girls were sometimes left alone, but said uh, Tianda was mature for her age and very responsible. Well, on Monday, the FBI entered the search for the missing children as the Chicago police feared they'd been abducted. Although they hadn't found any evidence pointing to foul play, the fact there's no reported sightings of the girls since they went missing had them concerned that somebody picked them up and took them out of the area. Well, family members believe the girls had been taken by somebody they knew and trusted. Deonda was described as quite street smart for her age and unlikely to go anywhere with a stranger. Note she left behind was so also concerning. Although it was definitely written by Tianda, the fact there was no gram, uh, grammar or spelling mistakes led those who knew the girls to believe that uh, somebody had uh, helped her write it. Detectives obtained handwriting samples from Tianda's school and sent the note to be analyzed by experts to confirm it was written by her. Detectives uh, continued to canvass the uh, neighborhood, spoke with a couple of residents who believed they'd seen the two sisters playing in the area as late as 3 p.m. on Friday, just three hours before they were reported missing. And if the neighbors really had seen Diamond and Tiana, it was unclear why they hadn't checked in with their mother. Condolent vigil was held to pray for the sisters' safe return Monday night, and more than 200 people attended. Although Tracy declined to attend, she was still too distraught over her daughter's disappearance, she said. Several other family members went in her place. 
After the vigil was over, Pastor Corey Brooks of the New Beginnings Church told those in the crowd he had spoken to Tracy. She's not a negligent mother. It's very difficult when you have to raise children and put food on the table. We're still praying and hopeful that those children are going to show up. Well, Tracy at that point in time was unaware she was under a cloud of suspicion. The Texas interviewed her for six hours on Saturday, eight hours on Sunday, and six hours on Monday. Asked to submit to a polygraph examination about the girl's disappearance, and she readily agreed. Investigators confirmed she passed that test, and but she had continued to be interviewed on a daily basis. They tried to determine exactly what had happened to the missing sisters. Well, by Tuesday, it was apparent the detectives were considering the possibility that the missing girls were dead. They spent much of that day digging for potential grave sites in the Dan Ryan Woods while divers from the Chicago Fire Department were sent into the Washington Park Lagoon after they got a tip. Their bodies might be there. They used cadaver dogs to search through dumpsters on 87th Street and horses to come through the area surrounding two different sets of railroad tracks. But despite all this, they didn't find any clues as to what might have happened to the two children. Well, investigators then collected surveillance video from dozens of stores in the area where the sisters were last seen, hoping to find some sign of the girls on tape. They thought the girls might have been uh, seen in a jewel store on uh, Tuesday, but after carefully reviewing the video, they determined there had been two children who resembled Diamond and Tianda. In fact, after they left their house on Friday, they couldn't find any trace of the sisters. Detectives confirmed there were more than 100 registered sex offenders living in the sisters' south side neighborhood, and they meticulously tracked down each one and interviewed them about their movements on the day Diamond and Tianda were missing. Found nothing to indicate that any of them had been involved in a disappearance. Well, Tracy attended a candlelight vigil that was held Tuesday night, holding back tears as she addressed the crowd. She said, I'm wishing whoever got my kids just returned my kids home. And at that, as soon as she finished speaking, she left immediately after the vigil was over and went back to the police station where investigators interviewed her for a fourth time. Tracy told investigators that Diamond's father had stayed in the apartment with her and her daughters the night before they went missing. He left with her on Friday morning as he had given her a ride to work. Police spent Wednesday searching the man's property while he interviewed, was interviewed by detectives. Investigators also interviewed the neighbors of the man, asking several of them if they'd seen any unusual activity at the home Friday night. One neighbor said detectives asked him if he'd seen any sort of fire at the residence, but he told them everything had been quiet. Although investigators told reporters that Diamond's father wasn't considered a suspect in the case, they also said they hadn't ruled anybody out. Tracy had filed a paternity suit against the man several weeks before, and in it she had maintained he was the father of her youngest daughter, and she was suing him for child support. And it's not clear if he disputed the claim. In a press briefing held Wednesday night, detectives admitted the chances of a happy ending were getting slimmer by the day. Chicago Police Deputy Superintendent John Thomas said the fact that the little girls hadn't been located at this point certainly does not bode well. And he stressed the department had been using all available resources to find the missing children, but they didn't have any idea what happened to them. Miles Kern, an investigator who worked on the poly class kidnapping case, told reporters that the sister's disappearance was frustrating. You know, the two young girls like that don't just disappear off the face of the earth. You have no idea what happened to him. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. It haunts you. You ask yourself, do you have the right pieces? And if you do, how do they fit together? Well, as the investigation entered its second week, 
those close to the girl struggled to stay optimistic. The amount of manpower used in the search was staggering. More than 500 Chicago police officers, 20 members of the FBI's violent crime task force, 10 canine units from the Cook County Sheriff's Office, 20 officers and canine units from the Cook County Forest Preserve Police Department had been involved in the search, and they had nothing to show for all their work. They interviewed hundreds of people and sifted through more than 200 tons of trash, but they hadn't found a single clue about what might have happened to Diamond and Tianda. Spokesperson for the FBI admitted it's an unusual case when you have two children disappeared without a trace. No claim of responsibility, no ransom to the man, no nothing. They just vanished. A week after the girls were last seen, detectives got a tip that two young girls had been seen entering an abandoned church building around the time Diamond and Tianda went missing. Investigators combed through the site, which had previously housed the New Hope House of Prayer, and they did find two dirt mounds resembling graves in the basement and dug through them, but didn't find any bodies. They found nothing but dirt. Saturday, July 14, 2001, the case was featured on America's Most Wanted. Family members were hopeful that the national exposure would generate some new leads for investigators. Sheila Smith told reporters, we hope this will turn up something. They've had good success in the past, and Tracy's also optimistic that the show might lead to her daughters. She said, I'm just holding on. Everybody's been really encouraging. I just hope to get my daughters back home soon. Detectives admitted that they didn't get as many tips as they hoped after the show aired, but they carefully followed up on each one. For the family, it wasn't enough. Tracy told reporters, it's never enough. I, I need more, more, more. Just go out and look for my kids. It's been 10 days. Time's getting short. She was frustrated because she felt detectives were uh, devoting too much of their time focusing on her instead of searching for her daughters. And She insisted she'd already told investigators everything she knew. Well, July 17, 2001, the Chicago Police Department announced they were going to search through every one of the city's 5,600 abandoned buildings in an effort to find clues leading to the whereabouts of the missing sisters. It was an unprecedented effort involving hundreds of police officers, but uh, one that Police Superintendent Terry Hilliard felt was necessary. It's going to continue until we come up with some type of lead on the whereabouts of these girls. Same press conference, uh, city officials announced we're offering a $15,000 reward for information leading to the girls' recovery. Searching abandoned buildings took weeks. Officers found dozens of stray dogs, hundreds of syringes, tons of garbage, mounds of discarded clothing, but no sign of Diamond or Tionda. There was one positive note, though. With such a heavy police presence throughout the city, crime as a whole decreased. One investigator made the comment, we are killing the drug trade here. Everybody has an interest in finding the girls ending the search. Search entered its third week. Investigators finished their search of Chicago's abandoned buildings and started using cadaver dogs to come through each of the cars in the city's impound lots. They didn't find any sign of Diamond or Tionda. But July 25, 2001, investigators had combed through much of the city and still had no idea what happened to the missing sisters. Running out of places to search, they focused on re-canvassing the south side neighborhood with missing person flyers and re-interviewing everybody associated with the Bradley family. And they continued to follow up on every tip they received, but admitted they were running out of leads to follow. The two girls seemed to have disappeared into thin air. Well, neighbors continued to show their support for the family by holding nightly prayer vigils and marches through the apartment complex to make sure everybody knew the girls were still missing. 
in the lobby of the Bradley's apartment building were turned into a shrine. Full of pictures of the missing children as well as ribbons and stuffed animals. Sheila Adams, a resident who had never met Diamond and Tiana, told a reporter this ordeal has brought us closer as a community. We never even used to talk to each other before. But each uh, resident said they had the same goal to see the girls return home safely. Well, on Thursday, July 26, 2001, officials formally announced the case was now considered a kidnapping, though they admitted there was no solid evidence pointing to foul play. In fact, they'd been unable to find any trace of them after more than three weeks of intense searching left them with little hope that uh, they'd be found alive. Police spokesman Pat Camden said this is obviously aren't missing of their own volition. On the one-month anniversary of the girls' disappearance, attendance at the nightly prayer bruising was, vigils were starting to wane. Each day the pa that passed made it a little harder for the family to remain optimistic about the fate of the girls, but they tried to keep their hopes up. Tracy tried to keep life as normal as possible for her other two daughters, even treating them to a day at the beach. She said, we can't just waste our life in this house. And an FBI spokesperson admitted the case was baffling. We don't know if we're any closer to finding them than the first day we got involved, but we're still pursuing leads and working as diligently as we can. Officials at the Chicago Police Department assigned some of their cold case investigators to work on the girls' disappearance, noting they were used to frustrating cases. We're hopeful the cold case team can make something out, uh, find something been missed during the initial investigation. After 40 days of nightly prayer vigils, residents of the Lake Grove Village Apartments decided to halt the nightly prayer vigils. Although they still wanted to believe the girls were alive, after so much time they knew it was unlikely to be returned safely. Vicki Gilmore, resident of the complex, noted, sometimes you feel so limited. All that's left is prayer and hope, and it seems like hope is fading away. Well, that, that September, Tionda should have started fourth grade at Doolittle Elementary School, but her desk was empty. Crisis intervention team was on hand to help her classmates cope with their loss, but many of the children seemed to take the disappearance in stride. None of them stopped by to speak with counselors. Bradley family holiday celebrations were subdued that year as questions over the fate of Diamond and Tionda lingered. Hoping for a miracle, Tracy bought and wrapped presents for her missing daughters, but they remained unopened. By January, they'd been missing for six months, and police were no closer to learning what happened to them than they had been on day one. Followed up on tips from across the country, sent investigators as far as Florida to chase down leads, but nothing brought them any closer to the two missing girls. The case dominated the headlines for months, but eventually the case faded from the newspapers, and the family was left alone with their grief. Tracy did what she could to keep the case in the public eye, but after so many months without any progress, the the press moved on to newer stories. Now, Tracy grew increasingly frustrated with the lack of progress on the case. March 2002, she was briefly detained by police after she became combative with a detective who visited the house. She pushed the man when he asked if she'd be willing to come to the police station for another interview and ended up in handcuffs. Wasn't charged with a crime, but police admitted they were frustrated with her. She won't keep appointments when running into a brick wall. Later that month, Tracy filed a complaint with the Chicago Police Department alleging she was physically abused and illegally detained. She claimed the police officers threw her against the fence when she refused to speak to them. And after she left the station, after filing the report, she told reporters she hoped it wouldn't prevent police from working with her to find her children. Well, months went by, and soon the children had been missing for a year. Search continued, but police were running out of leads. Detectives had interviewed more than 700 people and investigated more than 660 leads. 
They'd looked into rumors the girls were being hidden by relatives in Minnesota and followed up on reports that had been taken to Morocco by a man who believed he was Tianda's father. All those leads turned out to be dead ends. More than 200 friends and family members held a prayer vigil to mark the first anniversary of the girls' disappearance. They released 365 yellow and white balloons in honor of Diamond and Tianda and planted a memorial garden in the apartment complex. The girl's grandmother told reporters she still expected to find them. Whenever I'm on a bus, whenever I'm walking, I have my eyes open. Keep thinking I'll see them. Well, there was little progress made on the case over the next few years. National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released age progression photographs of the girls on the third anniversary of their disappearance. Although a few tips were called in after the pictures were released, no new leads were developed. 2007, the family felt renewed hope the girls would be found alive after they found a recent picture of a girl they thought might be Tiondo on the Internet. Detectives followed up on that lead, but they weren't able to confirm the girl's identity. Years passed, and the girls remained missing. In 2015, their aunt, Sheila, admitted she'd finally accepted the fact the girls were likely dead. It's a matter of finding out where they are, she said. She's convinced that there were people in the city of Chicago who knew exactly what had happened to the sisters. And she remained hopeful that they would eventually come forward so the family could have closure. Well, the Bradley family continues to hold yearly vigils to mark the grim anniversary of the day Diamond and Tiana went missing. Passage of time hasn't made their loss hurt any less. Disappearance haunts the investigators worked on the case as well. Although Detective Ed Carroll retired from the police force in 2013, he never stopped thinking about the missing girls. He said, it just bothers me. These two kids went missing, vanished into thin air, and we were never able to find them. Well... It's been over 22 years since those two children vanished, and nobody has come up with any information about what happened to them. Well, you know, there are hundreds of unexplained disappearances. You know, we're going to, over the next few shows, talk about a few of them. And if you think you might know information about what happened to any of these missing persons, I urge you to contact uh, your local police. And speaking of contact, um, at our local mall, there's a place called the Tire Club. I never saw anybody there. But I had a problem with one of my tires, and I stopped there. Two of the nicest folks you'd ever want to meet they helped me get things squared away. Refused to accept the scent. And they said their problem was nobody knew they were there. But when you walk into the, the front door, it's like going into an automobile wonderland. It's called the Tire Club. And it's at the uh, the Solano, which is the new name of the Sunland Park Mall. And the uh recommend you stop by. Tell them Ken talked about them on the Ken Hudnall Show. Well, until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening. <laughs>